Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for December 6th is 2 Corinthians chapters 10 through 13, finishing up another great epistle by the Apostle Paul and his companions. In chapter 10, he is asking the Corinthians to please not make him be bold and mighty when he comes to them. He would much rather come in humility and in meekness. There were some certain people among the Corinthian believers who were spreading lies about Paul and his companions, saying that they weren't really apostles. They didn't have the right to collect offerings. They didn't have the right to correct behavior. And Paul is saying to them, please get your affairs in order. When I come to you, I would much rather come in humility and in meekness. I don't want to come and have to smack you around from a spiritual perspective. What kind of power and authority must Paul have had that he writes such a warning to the Corinthian believers? In verse 2, I beg you that when I am present, I will not need to be bold with the confidence by which I plan to challenge certain people who think we are living according to the flesh. Satan is always sending his messengers in. These, these wolves in sheep's clothing are always trying to draw God's people away. And they do it with a little bit of truth and a whole lot of enticing. You know, it doesn't have to be so hard. You know, you can have your best life now. Oh, you don't have to give away your money. You earned it. You keep it. You deserve it. God wants you to be happy. Doesn't Jesus love you? The Bible says Jesus suffered for you. You don't have to suffer. These are lies and they are the false gospel. One of the telltale signs of a Wolf in sheep's clothing or a false teacher is someone who is detracting from other believers. There is no reason to put another believer, another teacher, another leader down in order to help somebody become a better version of themselves. Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few will find it. When any teacher comes along saying, Oh, it's supposed to be easy. Let the alarm bells go off in your mind that they just might be in it for the wrong reasons. Paul says we live in the flesh, but we do not wage war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they are powerful for the demolition of strongholds. That word stronghold is used here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, and nowhere else in the scripture, but it's the same word that refers to a military fortress, something with strong walls, a place of defense. It reminds me of Matthew 16, 18, when Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia or my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Paul is a leader in the ecclesia, in the government of the kingdom of heaven. And he is most assuredly equipped with power in the Holy Spirit and authority from Jesus Christ himself to crash those gates of hell and to crash this enemy fortress, which was built on lies about him and Silas and Timothy and Barnabas and the other apostles 
who were going around advancing the kingdom. What a warning to the Corinthian believers to get themselves in order, to humble themselves, to make sure that they were not misaligned or aligned with the wrong people who were actually false teachers prior to his coming. Paul's saying it's much better for you if you recognize before I get there who these people are and who I am. There are certain individuals in the church who have crept in, who are trying to draw people away from the truth. Don't let them fool you, because when I get there, it will be exposed. Our weapons are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We need more of that power in the church today. The New Testament church was built on power and signs and miracles that testified to the truth. Even Jesus himself said, if you don't believe me, believe in the signs and the miracles that testify to who I say I am. In chapter 11, Paul goes into a little more detail about these false teachers and warnings around false teachers. In verse 4, if a person comes to you, Preaching another Jesus whom we did not preach, or you receive a different spirit which you had not received before, some spirit other than the Holy Spirit, or a different gospel, you put up with it splendidly, Paul says. Much to your shame, as he wrote to the Galatians, if anyone comes to you preaching another gospel, even if it's an angel from heaven, let them be accursed, have nothing to do with it. The gospel of Jesus is that the kingdom of heaven has arrived. It is here. The gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for those who are being saved. It is the good news that you can be reunited in your relationship with God. You don't have to remain in your sin you don't have to do anything to earn God's free gift of salvation. It's been accomplished for you. And this is the narrow way. Deny yourself. You have been predestined from the foundations of the world. You have been appointed unto eternal life. God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him they would have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Blessed are those who believe. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the Jesus that Paul preached to the Corinthians if anyone comes to you preaching another Jesus, let him be accursed. Let him be eternally condemned. Now, of course, there is a huge difference between beloved brothers and sisters who are teaching the truth to the best of their ability and those who are putting forth an incomplete or false gospel in order to line their own pockets. In verse 13, Paul says these people are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. How fitting is it that his 
servants also disguise themselves as ministers of the true gospel or as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. In other words, they will get what they deserve. We have watchdog ministries that want to throw everybody under the bus that doesn't agree with them 100%. And as with anything, we need balance. Paul is slow to call people by name. We don't know who he was referring to specifically here. Maybe he just didn't want to memorialize them. Maybe he was hoping they would repent. But the expectation placed on the Corinthians was to know who they were following. They were expected to know the gospel and what and who was preaching the truth because he is defending himself against false teachers, false prophets, and false apostles. Paul has to go a little bit outside of his comfort zone and talk about how he truly was commissioned by Jesus. He goes into his credentials. He shares the example of when he had an open vision, perhaps, or an out-of-body experience, or perhaps even his entire body was taken up into heaven where he saw things that he couldn't even write about. In chapter 12, verse 12, he talks about the signs and the miracles that affirmed he was an apostle. We have people today claiming to be apostles, even entitling themselves that and making that their first name on Facebook and all of the things, and perhaps they are. I wonder if they're confirmed with open visions of heaven, with signs and miracles and raising the dead even. Interestingly, in verse 7, Paul talks about a messenger of Satan, which was allowed to act as a thorn in his flesh and buffet him in order to keep him humble. That word messenger in the Greek is the same exact word that is translated angel in the New Testament. And so whether it caused a physical malady like poor eyesight, as some scholars believe, or some other physical weakness, or perhaps not physical, we don't really know. But what we do know is that Paul pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away and Jesus' response was, my grace is sufficient for you. It reminds me of when Jesus spoke to Ananias, telling him to go and lay hands on Saul because Saul had received a vision of a man coming and laying hands on him, that his sight would be restored, and that he would begin the road to becoming an apostle. Jesus spoke to Ananias, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And it was through much suffering that Paul became the greatest apostle, perhaps, the world has ever seen. There must have been much weakness and an extreme amount of grace. Paul begins the end of this letter in chapter 13, verse 5, with a plea that the people would test themselves to see if they really are in the faith, if they really are believers, followers of Jesus Christ, don't take anything for granted. Examine yourself, he says. Clearly, Paul had some question about whether or not they were believers, or he wouldn't have told them to test themselves, to examine themselves. And even references, you'll pass the test unless you find Christ is not in you. Friends, do you love him? Are you reading his word? Are you growing? 
Are you doing what Jesus wants you to do rather than what you want to do? Are you being changed? Are you? Do you behave and think the exact same way you did a year ago or several years ago? Have you learned anything new about Jesus or his word? Do you have a desire to share it with other people? Are you excited about being the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ? A bride loves her groom. Do you love him? If you don't love him and you're not willing to endure denial of self in order to be transformed into his image to become more like him, you just might be failing the test. And so it's necessary that we all repent regularly. Father, change my heart. Make me more like you. Help me to love you more. Give me a love for your word. I repent of my sin. I accept your sacrifice, Jesus. I want to live for you. In verse 9, Paul says, we also pray that you become mature. Are you a mature believer? Pray and ask God help you become mature. Verse 11, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Become mature. Be encouraged. Be of the same mind. That means be unified. It takes maturity for people to be unified. Be at peace. It takes maturity for people to be at peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. God bless you, my friends. May the God of love and peace be with you. May he grant your every request as you abide in him. He will give you whatever you wish. We'll see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, I am now offering coaching, personal coaching. If you are feeling stuck in a relationship, in a career, in your physical health, reach out to me through thebibleinorder.com slash coaching for your free session today. God bless you as you seek him.